Praise the Lord. What words they are and what we believe and how if we would just uh, internalize that and really believe that, wow, what spiritual power would be released in our lives. That is an incredible uh, song of our faith and, our, and what we believe and I just love it every time we do that song. And I'm really glad that uh, you guys are here today because we're going to continue our series, Unleash. Last week, we focused on rebuilding uh, our love for God's Word. We talked about uh, the fact is of how if we love the Word of God, that it will unleash spiritual potential in our hearts and lives. And we had uh, 331 people that filled out a card last week that said that they would commit to 21 days of reading uh, John, one chapter a day. And uh, how, ma how many of you read one chapter a day this, wow. Now that's, uh, that, wow, thank you for that. How many of you discovered something brand new by reading the Word of God? You, something was revealed to you that, uh, uh, wow, incredible. How about this? How many of you uh, became a doer of something you read. You read that and said, wow, I need to become a doer of that in my life. So, okay, so we read the word. We were doers of the word because we realized that we could know the Bible from cover to cover, but if we don't do what it says, uh, then it means not a whole lot to us. You can still sign up for that. There are cards around. Uh, the 21 days we're reading through John. Um, but I wanted to say, how, how many of you, by reading that every day, have sensed something spiritually different in your life. How many would say by doing that every day, it's really impacted my life in some way? I know it has mine. Uh, I read it every day, but just being focused on uh, the book of John has been a really uh, great journey. You know, uh, we believe if we allow God, if we become not only uh, hearers or readers of the word, but of doers of the word, uh, as that penetrates our, our minds and our spirits, it will unleash spiritual potential in our lives. Also, we want to, I just want to draw attention for a moment to our uh, ministry that we have uh, supported somewhat in India uh, through our Facebook check-ins. I think there was like $2,200 that we sent, maybe a little more, I'm just guessing at that. I know it was over 2,000, which translates into 940 Bibles at $2.50 a piece in the language of the people. And, uh, and, and so I just uh, heard from Manu yesterday uh, that they have now uh, got in touch with a person who's going to get those Bibles for them, and they'll meet them and get the Bibles and begin to distribute them. But he asked us uh, if we would pray for them uh, as they uh, go into these tribal villages to hand out Bibles and to uh, preach the word there and ask us to pray uh, for their safety and for their ministry there. Uh, Manu... Uh, uh, is the son of the pastor. Uh, he and his wife are the, the pastors of the church. And uh, Manu is their kind of their, looks like their marketing guy almost to me. He, he just loves his church. He loves his country and he loves what they're doing there. And uh, we just love him too. So let's pray uh, for them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you on behalf of uh, Manu and his family uh, there in India, God, as they distribute the word of God. Father, we believe that it's going to unleash spiritual potential throughout uh, their, uh, their, their land there, Father, in, in their city and in the tribal villages. But God, we also know that every time they venture out to spread the gospel, that there's a hostile government, Lord. There's a hostile uh, a religion 
that uh, comes against them. And so, Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus for your watch care over them, Lord. We pray that, God, that you would protect them as they pick those Bibles up and as they begin to distribute them, that your hand would be upon them. And God, we pray that those, the word of God, that those folks will finally have it in their own language, Lord, that it will begin to unleash the spiritual potential, uh, Father, throughout their, um, their territory there, God. And we're just believing for something awesome to happen. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, this week we, uh, we want to look at another very critical way that our spiritual potential is unleashed, and that is through the church. You see, church, no matter what anybody thinks, the church will always be. It will never go away because the church is not our idea. The church was God's uh, idea through his son, Jesus Christ. So no matter what anybody says, it will never go away. It's here to stay. It's eternal. People have been coming together in God's name for thousands of years. Even in the book of Nehemiah, as we go back to Nehemiah in chapters 8 and 9, the Bible says Ezra cracked open the book of the law. Now, speaking of, uh, of Ezra, Kelly starts to study this weekend or this week on Wednesday night at seven o'clock on the study of the book of Ezra, and there'll be child care, so be sure to mark that and if you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, but Ezra cracked open the book of the law and he read from daybreak until noon, a long time. And the Bible says all who were old enough to understand paid close attention, and together. The people worship. Now, in chapter 9, it says that they came together again to praise God, to listen to the reading of the book of Moses for confession, and it said they shouted amen. And it would go on and on and on. The Bible says that Ezra would stand above the people and that he would read, uh, uh, the, he would read the, the book of Moses, the law, and he would read it for hours, and the, and the people would stay around. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, you know, 30 minutes of message, 30 minutes of music, and out of here. It was like they stood for hours. There was no game on. I guess they didn't have a Redskin game to go uh, watch, or they didn't have to get home so the pork, wouldn't ro the pork roast wouldn't burn. Uh, they just stayed around because they understood the potential of the Word of God. And we're still coming together today in worship and praise, uh, to praise God, because here we are again. Not only that, here we are online. Here we are in Port Harcourt, uh, Port Harcourt Nigeria. You see, attending church is a concept that's been fading and changing in our culture. And maybe it's because we've lost sight of the importance and the purpose of church. You know, maybe, maybe we've lost sight of it's more than a, uh, just coming together on a Sunday morning and check off church as part of our life and part of our agenda. But like the Bible, negative stereotypes spring up from those who haven't discovered the significant and awesome privilege that church offers and its spiritual potential in our lives. So today, Gay is going to uh, teach us and help us focus on the church and how it can unleash that spiritual potential in our lives.
Anyway, <laughs> good morning. Well, church, obviously you have found it valuable. You're here. And so uh, I don't want to be preaching to the choir. Uh, really, if I ask you, why are you here? Uh, I asked the staff, and I'm going to show you their answers in a minute. I went to, into staff meeting, and I said, okay, everybody, get out a piece of paper. We're going to have a pop quiz. And uh, I said, uh, why have you chosen to make church a part of your life? Now, I could ask every single one of you, and we might overlap in some of our reasons, but most of those reasons would probably be for you and for me, that somehow we find the value because of something we need ourselves. However, that's part of the reason why people have lost the point, because at some point when it no longer satisfies or it's no longer the way I want it to be, that's kind of when people kind of start drifting away. And so the important thing that we've got to do is figure out the importance, what the point of church is. Because once you figure that point out, you'll make it a part of your life from that, from that point on. Because you'll understand how it totally unleashes your spiritual potential. And in reality, we really can't do this life without understanding the importance and the purpose of church and how it unleashes us. So here's, here are the answers that uh, the staff gave. God's word calls for believers to come together to enhance my relationship with God and others. It's paramount to be connected to the body to stay strong spiritually. All of these. Has anyone seen your answer yet? Okay, so let's do the next one. Uh, because of how much God loves me and how much I love God. Our children's pastor, Michelle, said, I keep it simple. I'm a children's pastor. God loves me. I love him. I go to church. Um, fellowship and growth. It's where I find my spiritual fuel to continue on the journey. It's family, learning relationships with Christ. And I value community. Have you seen, have you seen your answer there? Yeah that these are all valid reasons why we do church, why we go to church. Now, if I asked you, you'd come up with, uh, someone tell me, why do you go to church? A better relationship with God. Anybody else? Yes, if that's, it's the fuel that fills you up, right? You need that community, and someone over here said, I need it. And you see, those are, yes? A way to give back to God. And uh, yeah, that gets to the importance of church. And we're going to look at how this whole thing originated anyway, and our tendency is to look at church as something that's supposed to be for me. And it is. It is. But that's not the supreme importance of what church is all about. So your first blank is just simple. Church is important. Now we can look at these scriptures that are going to come up here. The first one is out of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah placed people at the city gates on the Sabbath day so that nobody would do anything on the Sabbath day. They were given the law of Moses, and that's what they lived by. 
and it said, keep the Sabbath day holy. So they went, they went to extremes to keep this day completely holy. I mean, they wouldn't even walk from one little distance to another. They were extreme in keeping that law. So that was significant, and they were paying attention to what God had given them. Now, the second one there talks about us. It talks about let's not give up on the habit. In Hebrews, it's the discipline chapter, and it says we can't give up on the habit of church. We need to make that a habit in our life. Now, observing the Sabbath, as they did in Nehemiah, and regular attendance uh, to church, whether we feel like it or not, is really important. But there's a much, much higher reason. And if we can grasp this, if we can live this, it will change, it will unleash our spiritual potential, but it'll change us from doing something just for me to connecting to something so much bigger and really joining in on what, how, what Christ intended for it to be. Church is important. And, and this week I was reading John, uh, and on day two, Tuesday, I'm telling you, this just jumped out. This is what God did new in my life. Because this just jumped out at me in a way that I've never seen it before. And uh, I began to study it, began to dig into it. And so this is fresh off the press in my life. And and uh, even uh, jump, jumping off the page there, and I discovered that, that the reason that church is important is because Jesus suffered and he died to bring it into being. He gave his life so that we would be here today. Because you see, God has had a plan to rescue and restore people from the beginning of time. Even with Adam and Eve, when they sinned, he had a plan to bring them back to him. And all through the Old Testament, there was a plan. God had a continual plan to bring people back to him. We always drift away from him, and he always has a plan. So when Jesus came, it was part of the plan. And you and I are still part of the plan, we're still part of this story, and we will be until we die and until Jesus comes back again. So from Genesis, Adam and Eve, all the way to Jesus, when he comes back to earth and takes his people to heaven, we are on that timeline, and we're part of the plan. And so when you begin to grasp that, when you begin to understand that you have a part and I have a part, and Jesus is counting on us, to carry out the mission that he actually had while he was on, on earth. When you can begin to grasp that, you begin to see the magnitude. And see, here's what was happening in John chapter 2. Jesus was clashing with the religious leaders. It seemed to always happen because he was changing, he was changing things because God's plan always changes it's the same to rescue people, but he does it in new ways. And so Jesus hit the scene, and the religious leaders did not like him at all because he was changing things from their old traditions and their animal sacrifices and their rituals that they would go into the temple to do. And Jesus came, and he said, I'm going to do something different. And, well, he didn't even have to say it. He was doing something different. And they didn't like it at all. 
You know what happens when you change things that people don't kind of are comfortable with? It's like if I ask all of you to get up right now and go to a different seat, you wouldn't be in your favorite seat because we like to come in here and sit in the same seat and be comfortable and, you know, or if we said, you know what, we're not going to do worship music this week, some of you would say, ah, that makes me so mad. Because we don't like change. And that's sort of like what, because you guys, you know, some, somebody gets here sooner than you guys do and they take your seats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't like change. And so Jesus came and he was turning everything, except Greg, you're in a completely different seat. That's awesome. See, uh, <laughs> change. But the religious leaders did not like that Jesus was taking away their rituals and their traditions, and their animal sacrifice, and they had built this temple so that people would go into that temple and do that, and Jesus was changing all of that, so he went into the temple, it was Passover, and you know, I've been there, I've, I've gotten to stand in the temple where Jesus overturned the tables, so when I talk about this, it comes alive to me because I've seen it. And I've been there. And so I can imagine as I was standing there that Jesus came in and he saw the money changers there and they were cheating people and exploiting people. And he got angry and he took those tables and he turned them over and the money went everybody, everywhere. And he said, you've lost the point. You've lost the point. You've drifted away. So here was Jesus and he was the new plan. And the disciples were watching Jesus. They were standing there. And they remembered the scripture that they'd read of King David. And they remember how Jesus had spent time with him. And Jesus had said to them the same thing that the scripture had said. That he was going to go into Jerusalem. And the religious leaders wouldn't like him. And he would be killed. But he would, be, he would rise again in three days. And in the, in the law, in the Psalms... And even what Jesus had told the disciples, he said this. He said, concern for God's house will be my undoing. That's how much he loved us and God's house. That's how important church is. Because he was doing all of that for us. And it was all lining up. And it says the disciples believed that he was the Messiah in that moment. And the religious leaders demanded, they said, what authority do you have, Jesus, to come into the temple and do this and tell us that? Show us a miracle so that we know that you have that kind of authority. Well, Jesus never used his miracles to prove who he was. But he says, I'll tell you what, I'll do a miracle, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up again in three days. Oh, they were even angrier. They said, it took 46 years to build this temple. And you'll raise it up in three days? Well, Jesus, Jesus wasn't talking about destroying that building. He was talking about how the animal sacrifices and the rituals and washing their hands and being clean on the outside. Well, that wasn't leading anybody to God. That was obsolete, and that wasn't working anymore. And, and, the, and, and temple worship was becoming unnecessary, and he wouldn't rebuild it. He was ushering in a new temple, the church, us. In the 
In John 2.21, it says, the temple he had spoken of was his body. Do you understand? Jesus' physical body was broken and beaten and mutilated and killed so that his new spiritual body could be formed. That's us. We're part of the plan. See, Jesus was limited in his physical body. Yeah, he was God, but he came in the form of a person. And when he walked the earth, he was limited because he could only walk for a certain number of miles and he could ride a donkey, but he couldn't get to the ends of the earth. And he knew that his message needed to travel to the ends of the earth, to Fredericksburg, Virginia, to Smithfield, Virginia, to Timbuktu, that that message, and he couldn't physically walk that far. While he was on the earth, he poured into his disciples, he poured into the people, he preached to the crowds, and anybody that would receive him had that divine power poured into them. However, he knew they didn't have the internet then. They couldn't get the word around the world. So Jesus knew that he had to do, and God knew they had to do it a different way. And so his physical body was beaten, and in his resurrection, his spiritual body, the church, us, was released. That is why church is important. Because when we come together, if we have our hearts prepared before we ever get here, we will be connecting with his plan and with the king of kings and we will be worshiping and we will be fulfilling the plan that God set out to rescue and restore people. You see, worship changed from being confined to a physical place to worshiping in his spiritual presence. His presence is here right now, available to anyone who will connect with it, will surrender in, in the experience and connect with him and listen to his voice. And he ended the rituals and the animal sacrifices and the priests, and he replaced it with direct access. We don't have to go to the priest anymore and confess. We don't have to come here on Sunday morning and use that as the only time we can. We can confess anywhere we are. We can have direct access to him anywhere we are. You see, because we are the church, Christ's living, breathing, organic body. And when we come together and thank him and praise him and lift up Jesus and give him honor in this way together, let me tell you something. Something happens when we come together like this in corporate worship that happens nowhere else. And when we forget or we just don't feel like coming to do it, we're going to miss it. You know, I went out on my walk yesterday and I almost didn't go. It was a gorgeous day. And it was like, I just didn't feel like it getting, you know, and going out and doing the whole thing. And then I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I went out, I walked, and you know, the Lord spoke to me out there in a way that if I had not done that walk, in fact, I got the song that we're going to do at the very end of the service. And there was another piece of this message that he spoke to me about. And I suspect if I hadn't made the effort to go out on that walk, 
I may have missed that piece. It wouldn't be a sin. I just miss out. And when we forsake or we just don't feel or we just don't want to come or, or, or be the church and come together like this, we're going to miss something. We'll just miss it. And we so easily drift away. So I asked Christian, we always go down there on Wednesday nights, my grandson is 21, and obviously, you know, when I was 21, I didn't go to church. I didn't see the relevance to me. I wanted to party. And uh, partying and church just didn't kind of work together. And so I, I noticed that my grandson is checking in at his church in Richmond. He's moved away from home. He's out of town. Um, and, and I see that he found a church, and he's checking into his church. In fact, he was the, that was the inspiration for us to check in on Facebook on Sunday mornings. And uh, so I asked him on Wednesday night, I said, you know, I noticed that you're still finding the value of church. How come? Because I was really, really curious. And he said, well, first of all, it's God's way of reading, reaching unchurched people. But he said, he said, you know, it's the least I can do for him because of what he's done for me. Can you imagine if we all came in here together on a Sunday morning and that was our unified purpose to thank him for including us in the grand plan of what he set out from the Garden of Eden, well, that gives me chills because he has allowed us, his church, to be part of that. Well, um, so he changed his physical body into his spiritual body being raised up. So church is important for that reason. If everybody lived that, if everybody grasped that, it would be like you don't even have to tell anybody about church. It's like you can't wait to get back there because you can't wait to see how God is going to speak to you there. And, uh, you know, it, we, we would know that church is so important that it would transcend our feelings. It's like I don't feel like going to church today, but you know what? I got to go and I got to praise God because I know in the middle of all of that, that there's going to be a special connection with him when, when his people come together, other people that are curious come together, or even cynics come together in his name. Something is to be found there. I love that sort of mystery. So it's very important for that reason. Secondly, church, church has purpose. And we need to know what that purpose is. First of all, the, the, the greatest purpose that the body of Christ has is to show the world that we can all be different, but we can still have unity. I want you to think about that for a minute. Now, that mentality is not in our world. All you have to do is look at politics. Can you imagine if Hillary and Bernie and Trump and, and Cruz all got together and they said, okay, let's do this differently. Let's sit down at the table. We all love this country. Let's just all work together. <laughs> okay, you can laugh at that because it is impossible. It is impossible because the only way that we can all be different, different races, different genders, different ages, which the body is all made up of. Look at this beautiful little girl. She's young. And then we have some people like me that have gray hair and are old. And 
We've got all ages. That's what the church is made up of. We've got all races. We've got uh, people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. We're all different. Yet when you're led by the Holy Spirit, that's our common bond. That's when we can all be different and come together and not war against each other. Because if you look at what's happening in the world, they're screaming for equality. My group needs to be equal to your group, and your group needs to respect my group. That's, what, that's the world mentality. Each group is trying to get the other group to respect their group. And that's why we have what we have in the world. It won't work. Because you cannot legislate or force other people to respect you. It's impossible. You see, it's so much easier to want other people to change and other people to be respectful than to take the responsibility of being a respectful person in spite of the way everyone else is. Because when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you'll say, you know what? I'm gonna allow him to make me into who he wants me to be. And when you bring that to the table, at some point, you're gonna celebrate the differences. The differences won't war against. This is the express part of what, what church is to show the world that we can all be different, we can be from different political persuasions, we can have different opinions, we can be different kinds of people, we can like different football teams, but we can come together and we can sit down and we can have unity. That is impossible without the Holy Spirit. This is what sets the church apart from the world being respectful, and celebrating differences. It reveals God's presence, and it reveals his power in our life. It's the only way that Buddy and I have made this marriage work. We came from two different backgrounds, two different uh, ways our family did life, uh, two different, I mean, everything about us was, we still discovered differences about ourselves. And in the first half of our marriage, probably, we were killing each other because of them. And what we've discovered over time is that as each of us surrender our life to the Holy Spirit and we come to the table and, and we take what God's path is. See, God's word lays out a path to love those who are different than us. It lays out a path of how to resolve conflict differently than the world when we're divided. It lays out a path of how to restore relationships when we're torn apart. When people are torn apart, it is a guarantee that they have not been led by the Holy Spirit. Maybe one of them has, and it's important for that one to continue to be led by the Holy Spirit. But the only way that we can have unity, it reflects the Holy Spirit. See, but the reason people don't do that is because it's so hard because it requires me to change. I'm uh, dealing with my brother. I'm gonna go visit him this week and he's entering into a partnership that uh, this partner sees things completely different. 
And my brother just had his 67th birthday yesterday, and he ain't going to change. <laughs> and I'm concerned. And so he's asking me to come for some spiritual wisdom. And I'm telling him the truth. And I'm going to give him all the reasons why he needs to think about this twice. Right, Josh? <laughs> right, anybody that has entered a partnership, especially a marriage? You better have two people that are led by the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit isn't part of that partnership, you can expect some horrendous things to happen. Period. It's a message that I'm getting more straightforward with as I get older. And so, uh, you know, if you look at Salem Fields right now, we, uh, we have beautiful unity as leaders of the, this, this body. Buddy and I are enjoying the unity and the spirit with which you're bringing in here. We are giving together. Together we have pledged a million dollars to reach around the world, to rebuild things. We're serving together. Livingston, Smithfield, the LA team just came back, Lori. Anybody else on the LA team? Yeah, they're kind of worn. Oh, Drew, we're worn, they're worn out. They took their red eye home. But there's a sense here of God's peace and his love because we have unity. It, because we're being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we have in, in common. And when you have that, Spiritual potential is completely unleashed in our lives personally and collectively. Also, the purpose is to continue and carry out Jesus' mission. When his physical body was beaten and bruised and it died and his spiritual body was resurrected, he made a way for us collectively to carry on what his mission was. Can you imagine that? It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's our mission. And therefore, go and make disciples. That's our mission. When Jesus left the earth, he said, can you believe this? That he said that we would do even greater things than he would? I don't know. Something about that just because Jesus, I elevate him. But he told his disciples clearly. He said, you will do greater things than I will. Think about what we can carry out as a body. We are stronger Together, You know, I could have sent some Bibles to India, but when Buddy and I sent Bibles to India, it was more. But when we collectively send Bibles to India, we're sending over probably, we're probably sending 1,500 Bibles that'll go out into Hindu tribal villages. And people will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior because of you sitting here and checking in on Facebook. <laughs> That's a big, together, we're stronger when we come and we connect and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. You know, Kelly and Jason could have led this whole team, and together, the two of them could have helped a few elementary school children. But together, as Christ's body, we're ministering to hundreds and hundreds of elementary school children, not only at Livingston now, but we're expanding into Smithfield, Virginia. And you're contributing, when you bring that tube of toothpaste, you're contributing. I looked out there at that box. Is that box beautiful or what? Give <laughs> Kelly a hand. For... 
He said, I can't take credit. Uh, Walter built that. <laughs> but it looks good, doesn't it? And you guys are bringing, and by bringing the tube of toothpaste and bringing that stuff, you are, we are stronger. We are carrying out the mission. Just small things will be huge. They are. And we're stronger together. So never minimize how we come together and the small little things that we put together that God takes, just like the fishes and the loaves, and he expands them around the world. We are the church. We are his body. And we are called to understand how important that is and to continue the mission that he placed into our hands. Another reason for church is for the discipline of it. Ooh, we don't like that word. We don't like discipline, but I'm telling you this. We will never develop into uh, or have the abundant life that Jesus wants for us unless we allow ourselves to be disciplined. The Bible clearly says, let us not give up on a habit. What are some habits? We, we develop at an early age bad habits and good habits. What's a good habit you've developed? What? Yes, that's what Buddy said last night. Brushing your teeth. A good little habit, isn't it? Choose not to do that, and down the road a few years, you're going to have some serious problems. I mean, I've even heard that some of that stuff can kill you because it can get into your bloodstream, and boom, you're dead because you didn't brush your teeth. <laughs> but we also develop bad habits, don't we? It's easy to develop bad habits. We just slide into those, and then breaking those habits, well, you need God. There's no way you can do it on your own. But this scripture clearly says, develop that good habit. Push beyond your feelings. So what if you don't feel like getting up and getting the kids and doing all that and going through all that? So what? It's important to be here. It's important to gather together with other people who are lifting up the name of Jesus. And it says that we're to become blameless and pure Children of God without fault in a crooked world and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. See, our character needs to be chiseled into looking more like him. And I can tell you, that will not feel very good. But those who choose to allow God to transform you and to do that because you're the church will have their spiritual potential unleashed. You see, that's why this building is not the church. How many of us say, well, I'm going to church? No, you're not. You are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We go to a building. You know, it's like uh, we're at home and we'll say, I'm going to church. No, I'm going over to the building <laughs> because... I am the church. It changes everything when you grasp that. So if you really want your life, your, the, the, your spiritual potential that's just lying dormant in there, if you want that to be unleashed, you have to understand that there are some disciplines in your life that are going to be necessary. So here's one little, I want to give you a couple suggestions, just a tiny little thing that you can add to your life in your Bible reading. Just a tiny little thing that will go a long, long way 
in unleashing your spiritual potential. If you'll take your card, is there anyone that needs a card that was in your program or a pen? Kelly's back there. He not only builds boxes, but he distributes cards and brings out stands, and he's amazing. And uh, on this card, I want to give you a few suggestions. The very first one says to prepare, if I want to unleash my spiritual potential, I'm going to commit to preparing my heart before I ever get here on a weekend. Before I ever get here, I'm going to begin to prepare my heart so that when I sit down in that seat, my cup is turned up. And whether it's a song or the word of God or maybe some encouragement from another person, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be listening and waiting and anticipating. This is so small. And if you add this to your life, God will expand it in a huge way. So here are a couple of uh, suggestions that you can do for that. First of all, through the week, just get that Salem Fields app and listen to the worship music. Listen to the worship music before you ever get in here, and you'll be familiar with those songs, so you won't just have to read the words. You can just surrender yourself to that song, to that praise. Uh, plan to leave just a little bit earlier. Get here and get here on time. And so that when that first song starts, you are in your place and nobody else will get your seat. <laughs> I'm telling you, that'll go a long way. Come earlier so you can check your children in. Come earlier so you can get a cup of coffee. Come earlier so you can eat three or four donuts. I don't care. But just leave just a little bit earlier. You see what I'm saying? Takes a little discipline, but leave a little bit earlier. Another one is, remember, when you come here, it's more about praising God, and it's less about how you want it to be, how, what your comfort needs to be. Oh, we're going to be comfortable. But it's more about lifting Jesus up, because Jesus is central to everything we do here. And if you can key in on him, it'll change everything for you. How about this one? Uh, when, when everyone's in the car, get everyone in the car. You're leaving a little bit earlier. You can't even believe it. But take a deep breath. <laughs> Especially if you have young ones. Take a deep breath. So you have to leave at least one minute earlier so that you can have a minute of breathtaking. Okay? And then, and then when you're sitting in that car... After you've taken a breath, you say to everyone, all right, everyone, we're going to say a prayer. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you guys imagine? I'm telling you, fishes and loaves, this will go a long way. So you get everyone calm. You put a ban on all disagreements from here to the one mile to the, to the building. No, no conflict. So whoever's driving that car, you lean over that steering wheel and you say, God, we know we're going to meet with you today in a special way. And every one of the children and every one of the people in that car are going to enter into that. And when you walk into this place, you don't know how, you don't know what, but he's going to speak to you. You know when it happens, don't you? You know when it I can't explain it. I can't put it in words. I can't tell you how to do that because that's between you and God. That's that special little thing that happens between you and God. The difference that it makes when you prepare your heart to come into worship, 
to lift up Jesus because he's so important. And you realize that he has entrusted you and he's entrusted me to carry on his mission. That's awesome. And then one last thing. Find a church home. Find a church home that you can say, I'm home. And then jump in and realize that you're going to worship with all your heart. You're going to serve with all your heart. You're going to give with all your heart. Because I can tell you, that's how you're going to get the most out of life when you jump in. Maybe your church home won't be here at Salem Fields. That's okay, because there are a lot of places, a lot of churches, a lot of bodies of Christ that are gathering together that are wonderful. Find one. Just find one. Maybe you've made Salem Fields Community Church your home. If you have, I want you to just put an X to the right side of that, find a church and call my home. If you're a Salem Fielder and you've made this place your home, there are some people that have been here 15, 20 years, 15 years. This is home. What is home? It's a place to rest. It's a place to get ticked off at other people, <laughs> but not run away. You know, you have an argument in your home, you don't say, well, I'm just going to go live with the family down the street. <laughs> and, then, and then we say, well, we used to have Sally live, living here with us. She was my daughter, but now she's uh, living down the street. <laughs> you know, home is a place that you have committed to work through your relationships and to make it last and to dig in. I would not trade this 41 years with Buddy, this guy that was so different with me and we almost killed each other. We almost missed the point of church because 21 years ago, we were almost the church casualties. We almost missed the point. And God intervened, obviously. And we just jumped in with all fours <laughs> all four of us <laughs> you get what I'm saying so if you're willing this is another way that this unleash our spiritual potential buddy and I we've wanted to say we're not going to just say we'll do something we're going to actually uh, give opportunity for you to move closer already in our Bible reading we've moved closer to the Lord haven't we I had someone tell me last night, I couldn't stop. I read chapter one, and before I knew it, I read all 21 chapters. Because I just, and she, she was telling me, God has really done something in me. I mean, I was just like so excited listening to her last night tell me about what God's doing in her life. There's something there for all of us. So if you're willing to commit to just prepare your heart, just maybe one of those ways, just practice that. Any discipline, you have to practice. You have to do it over and over. It's not about how you feel. It's about a commitment that says, I'm going to do it no matter how I feel. I'm going to do it. So if you're willing to do that, just put a check by that. If you're willing to find a church home and jump in, put a check there. If you're already a Salem fielder, put a little check to the right of that sentence. Because I'd like to see how many people call Salem Fields your home. I think that's awesome. So on my walk, I heard this song. I said, Rich, can you do that? And uh, it's a song by Switchfoot. I love it. It just says, this is home. So as they do this song, you can bring your card up, put it in the box.